Well, hello, and welcome to the Friday Roundtable. You are in studio, I guess, with uh, Steve Thompson, and also our guest for today. Would you introduce yourself? Jerry Van Kuyken, an outcast from Watermark. That's right, Jerry Van Kuyken. We kicked him out how many years ago now? I've been five, six years. Okay. <laughs> and the, the facts are you actually retired, correct? Right. So it's part of Watermark while we lived in Grand Haven, but now we live up in Charlevoix, Michigan. Beautiful Charlevoix. And, right. uh, and yet you still join us for our podcast and uh, tune in. Yeah, I've been following these for the, well, for the last, what, I've caught them maybe the last three years. We kind of really have enjoyed them, and uh, we've chatted back and forth about that. I've enjoyed this one that we're doing on Second Corinthians. Which is fantastic. And so it's really cool to have you with us and to give us your insight. You were actually, uh, for, for a while, when we first moved to Grand Haven, you were our kid's uh, doctor, our pediatrician. So right. we got to we got to see you on the regular that way. Yeah, still but, still uh, miss my still miss kids. When I moved up here, I semi retired for a while. Worked part time at a federal clinic uh, and did kids, but part time. So that got me out of the sixty hour week and weekend call and all that sort of stuff. But that was a nice transition to quote wean myself away from all my kids. I still yes. miss them every once in a while. Well, we are going to be discussing uh, the chapters this week in 2 Corinthians, or chapters 6 and 7. And what we like to do is kind of dig in a little bit to how the letter is written to the Corinthians, but it is for us. And just catching a glimpse at how the Holy Spirit catches our attention as we read and applies uh, the truth of this message to us. And so, Jerry, what caught your attention from these two chapters in 2 Corinthians? Well, you know, as I as I look at it, and, and one of the things I always do when I'm doing a Bible study or teaching a Bible study is putting myself in the Scripture story. So the first thing I did is is just saw myself as Paul uh, in in this thing. What if I was Paul? And and uh, it's you know in chapter six and seven, but it really is the whole thing where Paul continues to connect with the, the Corinthian church in correcting them, criticizing their behavior, uh, thinking of their bad behaviors, and keeps coming back to that. But at the same time, he keeps coming back to, I love you. I I miss you. Uh, I have an open heart for you. And so it made me think of uh, how I would or should give criticism of those things. I mean, Paul had one goal, repentance and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. and, and how do I give needed criticism. I think that's always the first thing is don't don't go looking for something to correct or criticize, but is it something that's needed? But all, always I have to have a relationship first. You know, you don't just tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, you need to change that. Uh, never right. going to go well. Uh, so, no. but, but when I am in those situations and, you know, life and especially in the church, but in all of life is you know, we're going to meet those situations. And so I I look at Paul's example and say, you know, am I loving, truly loving? Do I have a kind tone? Uh, when I talk to people, am I bombastic and wrinkled forehead and firing both barrels? Or worse yet, looking at self-justification uh, because I need to be vindicated in some way. 
but mm -hmm. do I have that goal of reconciliation, restoration, and relationship? Or am I just yeah. trying to straighten somebody out? Right. That's great motivation to to discern what motivation we're coming with. I'm curious, and I know I'm putting you on the spot with this, Go but ahead. have you is do you have an instance of where that has played out in your own life where you've either given correction um or or brought up a tough uh hard thing in a relationship or received one and where it actually was redemptive you know in church relationships being on committees and and things it's just so easy just to say hey you know da, 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 and i was in a situation where when i was trying to do that and one of the more senior gentlemen, and this was when I was a little bit younger, but uh, more senior gentlemen said, Jer, just remember, you don't have to correct everything. God's got this. And it just changed my whole tone, changed my whole demeanor, and uh, could move forward in that sort of a way without ruining relationships and achieving the positive goal of restoration of relationships. Yeah, so, that's great. And evidently, he said it in a way that you could receive it and not take offense at it which is cool yeah. well and uh, the old, old guy's name was walt and he was just one of the senior members on the consistory and he just leaned over and just kind of whispered that in my ear i mean other people i'm sure could have heard it too but i respected walt enough to say i need to listen to him well i'm going to turn the corner uh because we had also mentioned one other thing as we are talking about this off air um how paul gets into really imploring the corinthians to walk in in holiness and to evidently they were getting still trying to hold on to their old lives and their old way of doing things and make it work in their new following Jesus kind of life. And Paul was like, no, you're going to have to have a clean break here. Uh, and, and don't be yoking yourself with somebody that's not in the same path and following Jesus together kind of a thing. So what caught your attention about that? Where did where did your mind go when you read over? Well, I, mean, I think he transitioned well into that and saying, okay, how did the Christian church accept that kind of criticism? Uh, you know, Paul says, you know, hey, I hated having to do this, but you responded in a good way. So now I'm glad I made you unhappy because now you're you're sorry. And so I, you know, I look at that in this yoking together with unbelievers. You know, if we spend our time in, you know, I, that word yoking, you got to put yourself on an Amish farm and say, oh, hooked up with cattle. But it just means, you know, to me, teamed up, joined together, pulling in the same direction. Uh, but that doesn't really work well, you know, when in our Christian life, I mean, we are supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Right. And in those situations, I need to be very careful of my inputs, you know, and the people around you, no matter what you want to say, there is an osmosis biology term, look it up, uh, where things <laughs> rub off, you know, subtly, and you're not really aware of it. Back in the pre-computer days, and I lived then, uh, but, you know, we talked about giggle, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. And so Paul said in, in 616, we are a temple of the living God. How can God live in a temple that's full of other crap? He, he can't live there. So, no, so number one puts him in a bad situation, but it also says he can't really work in me if I've got all this other junk you know, in my life. And so I think of when my grandkids were, were little, it made me that phrase, thinking of myself as a temple of God when they were all born, the first thing I prayed over their cradle in the nursery was, you are a treasure 
sacred child of the Most High God. Jesus loves you very much, and Grandpa and Grandma love you too. Mm. Uh, and I've prayed that prayer with them. And now they're aged 18 to 24, and if I ask them, who are you, what are you, they just get this big banana-wide grin and says, they repeat it, I am a treasured child of the Most High God. And so, mm. so I mean, that just tells me how planting the right seeds and keeping my heart cleaner and my relationship with Jesus so I don't slide into tolerance of things or negatively be changed by the world. Uh, you know, I thought that was interesting with the four guys that talked Monday. Just mm -hmm. People had poured into their lives. If they had not been in a Christian youth group, if they didn't have Christian parents, if parents weren't investing in their kids from the Christian standpoint instead of getting them to soccer games and wrestling matches and, you know, just all the other stuff. Um, so we shouldn't isolate ourselves, though. I mean, we shouldn't be the frozen, frozen chosen and the holy huddle kind of thing. Well, my verse for the year was Matthew 5, 16. May my light shine so that people will see the good things I do and honor my Father in heaven. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And I love how you tied it into our identity, first and foremost, as beloved children. Uh, because then if we can operate out of our identity, then it's not like a it's a to do or not to do list. It's more out of a what's my what's gonna bring pleasure or honor to my dad, you know? So it's a different if it's a different scope. So I love how you went there with that. Would you wanna just wrap up in prayer then for well, us? Well, I can. Dear Heavenly Father. How grateful we are for you living and working in our lives. And Father, we thank you for the opportunities to give us as we interact with people around us. And may we live our lives so that we leave a trail worthy of others following. In mm -hmm. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks again. And everybody have a fantastic day.